Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. And today we have the privilege of listening to Pastor RJ give a message on the goodness of God. So can we welcome up as he comes up? Hi, everyone. So glad to have you all here today. <laughs> anyway, um, this week we saw Queen Elizabeth II go on to eternity. And, you know, it's been interesting. I've seen um, some quotes coming out from some of her speeches. And, and from what I've observed, it seems like it was a joyful meeting between her and her Savior. And, uh, yeah, I know social media is all over the map on that right now, but the truth is, um, in some of her speeches, she acknowledged that she lives according to the principles of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we're supposed to do as Christ followers? And then uh, I, I would be remiss, I think, if I didn't mention, 21 years ago today, I remember when the first call started coming into the office, what I was doing and where I was at, and, um, you know, the world changed that day in a lot of ways. And since then, we've had a lot of division, <laughs> moral decay, chaos, deception. Um, and, and there's been many events that have happened since that time that have literally changed our world. And uh, if we have ears to hear and if we're discerning, we would be listening to what the Spirit's saying to the churches, right? What the Spirit of God's saying to us right now in this day and hour that we live in. But I, I'm not going to teach someone else's message, but I just... Interesting observation on this. If you start reading through the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, um, I, find it, I find it fascinating because the prophet starts in verse 2 with the whole, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those that live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And if you jump down, it leads us to that verse 6 that says, For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. God committed to make this happen, and he was talking about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus, when he came to earth nearly, you know, a little bit more than 2,000 years ago, and he lived and walked among us. But in the same context, it goes on, and then God starts pronouncing judgment against the nation of Israel. And in their arrogance, like look at verse 10, and, and um, end of verse 9 even, the people of Israel and Samaria who spoke with such pride and arrogance will soon know it. They said, we will replace the broken bricks of our ruins with finished stone. Replant the felled sycamore fig trees with cedars. But their arrogance, they thought that they could do things without God. Lord, help us if we ever come to the place where we think we can do it without you. But in our culture, after some of the events that happened, it seemed that there was politician after politician after leader after leader that in their arrogance stood up and said, that's okay, we will rebuild. We will show the world how we can recover. But I'm going to tell you something. The world is not a better place than it was 20 years ago. Things have changed. 
I mean, I talk to people who remember what it was like when I was growing up. That was a long time ago. Some of you maybe a little longer. Some of you not quite so long. But when we were kids, I mean, we could go outside and they would say, go play. And we would disappear until the streetlights came on and then we'd go home. Now, if my kids are going somewhere, I want them to, you know, have their phone so I can track them. And <laughs> I want to know a start time and an end time and where they're going so I could go look for them if they're not back when I think they should be. And the world has changed. Violence is increasing. Have you noticed? Division is increasing, especially here in the West. There's pockets of it all over the world, but people have never been so divided. I don't think that we're seeing peace. The truth is, in Isaiah 9, it was talking to a nation who refused to repent of their arrogance and their pride and of their sin. And as a result, they became a culture in decline and they ultimately fell and dissolved. In the West, in our arrogance, we've attempted to rebuild, but the truth is we, we didn't rebuild on the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if you rebuild on anything else but that, it is sinking sand, and it is destined to fail. And the social experiments that we've been doing in the culture right now are failing miserably. I have never seen so many people struggling with anxiety and social... Um, they can't function in social circles and depression and many other challenges that we have created as now. However, um, this is the time that the church is to shine the brightest. Okay? I'm not doom and gloom. I'm the light will shine in the darkness if the church actually gets its act together and starts acting like the church. So in other news, moving along, Church family, this month marks 40 years of us gathering together as a local body of believers. So formally, Windsor Christian Fellowship, this is 40 years. It's our 40th anniversary. And we're going to be celebrating that. We actually started celebrating that a little bit earlier this year. But, you know, our mission has not changed. Make disciples who make disciples. We want to go and we want to lead people to Christ so that they can have a transformation at the foot of the cross. And as they become Christ followers, they go out into the world outside of the four walls of this building and they help other people come to Christ so that they too can become Christ followers. And uh, our ministry team got together and we designed some initiatives to celebrate his goodness to us. God's been good to us. But also, we want to be a blessing to our community. How many know, if we're not being a blessing to our community, um, doesn't Jesus talk about that when he says, if salt has lost its saltiness, is it still affecting what it's supposed to? It's useless. I mean, hey, can you bring me some of that unflavored salt so I can throw it on my meat? <laughs> some of you didn't catch that. If we're not influencing culture, if we're not influencing outside of these four walls, what are we doing? Hey, Brother Paul, bless you. You look so good today. That's nice. But there's a whole lot of people out there that are hurting and broken and lonely and desperate, and they need the Savior that we know. Let's take the light outside. So some of the ways we did that, and we're going to do that, and we're going to continue to do that, and uh, over the next four weeks, starting next week, you'll see some 
uh, vignettes, some little presentations to express some of kind of where we're at and where we're going and, and just to kind of refresh it, especially for those of you that knew her that don't know the 40-year history of the church. We're going to try to highlight that in four weeks. Good luck. Um, but to mark the occasion, we've come up with some initiatives. So we did a, a dodgeball tournament through the youth back um, on June 10th, and they raised some money for uh, Safe Families of Windsor. And then we did our summer lunch program this year, and we, we took some of our ABBA money. Oh, that's the dodgeball fundraiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think if I remember right, around that time, they did an obstacle course too. And then one of that, that video has over 5 million hits right now. It went viral. But um, our youth, uh, sorry, the summer lunch program was Windsor Homes Coalition. And we cooked hot lunches with our teams for eight weeks, providing meals for 200 campers. And we were just a blessing to our, we wanted to be a blessing to our community. Our youth summer camp raised $1,500 for Noah's House of Windsor. So when the youth got together for camp, it wasn't all about them. Some of the registration fee went to Noah's House and some of the offerings and other things that they did. Um, on August 21st and 29th, our children's ministry uh, held their back-to-school events, so they blessed the kids in-house at Windsor Christian Fellowship with back-to-school packages. They worked with the Coalition of Justice and Equity, um, a little bit west of here, and William Davis School, and they gave out over 200 packages um, as we started celebrating the goodness of God here in our church and so that we can be an impact and bless people in the community. Now, I've noticed so far most of the initiatives were youth, Children's Church, the next one is Young Adults. So what's that saying to the rest of us? Yeah, an opportunity for you. <laughs> That's right. Okay, Young Adults is going to have two sports outreaches. I think my dates are right now. September 17th, a volleyball outreach, and October 15th, a pickleball tournament. They're going to be raising funds for the Windsor Life Center and for the Windsor Teen Health Center. And thank you, ladies, Windsor Life Center, for reading for us today. I appreciate that. And then October 2nd, we're going to be doing our winter coat drive for the homeless. And, you know, I was talking to uh, Norm and Nadine recently, and uh, they were sharing with me that, you know, traditionally when you're dealing with the homeless population, there's a lot of mental health and there's a lot of um, addiction issues sometimes that you're dealing with. But we're seeing more and more and more now the working poor where people have jobs but can't afford housing and they're living out of their cars and they're living on the streets. And uh, that's really a tragedy in our culture. We need to do something as a church to address that. So we're going to start by bringing them coats and warm clothing and try to bring some support. That will tie in with our four weeks of giving, which is an initiative we do every year going into Christmas, where we want to bring the soup kitchen down to them and, and, and serve food and, and love. October 31st, our annual movie night. So... <clears throat> Um, we're not quite at the place where we can do the full quest outreach, but we're going to do it the movie night. And this year we're partnering with the Milo Pregnancy Center. And instead of candy, we're going to be collecting baby items for the center so that we can be a support to the local community outreach with the, the Pregnancy Center. And they do a great job. So we'll talk a little bit more about some of these events, but there's two more that I want to talk about. Our bus ministry should be launching soon. Um, hopefully as early as next week or the week after. Thank you for your patience with us as we're getting this kind of set up and organized and all that. But um, you are able to sign up and serve in this initiative by uh, visiting the tables at the Information Center. And the other thing, and I want everyone to pay attention to this, because how many know missionally as a church we're working with God to redeem a people from all peoples? How many know that? That's primarily a part of our vision redeeming our communities. And 
I believe in the book of Revelation, it talks about in heaven, there's going to be, it says, every nation, every tribe, every language, every tongue, right? And they're all going to be together, lifting up holy hands and worshiping the king. And I feel like our church does a really good job of all nations coming together from different tribes and nations and languages, and we worship together under the banner of Jesus Christ. And it's unfortunate in Christendom because if you travel around the world, there is many churches where it is the most segregated hour of the week because you have this ethnic group and this ethnic group and this color and this color, and I'm not saying those are wrong, but I feel like it's much closer to the model that heaven has when everybody comes together under the banner of Christ and we worship together. So on November 20th, we're going to be doing a special multicultural service. You might see some people wearing their traditional dress. Any Filipinos in the room? You can wear the men, you can wear your barongs, you know? And, and if you're coming from another country, wear your traditional dress. It'll be fun. We can all come together. We can all worship together. We'll do the scripture in another language. We'll sing a, a special song. We'll, we'll have some guest speakers come in and share about culture a little bit and so some of it from a different culture that they work in. And uh, these ladies um, that we have coming in are going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> they're they're kind of they're fired up. But then we're going to do something special, and I want everyone to pay attention to this. Everyone listening? We want to have some fun together. At the same time, we want to do a fundraiser with a partner that we want to have with, it's called Matthew House. Now, Matthew House serves refugees locally. I think they've got 78 families there right now. 78 refugee families are living at Matthew House. And, and we want to be a blessing to Matthew House because they serve the foreigner. They serve the stranger. And this is very consistent with what Jesus told us to do. Feed, clothe, and welcome the stranger. Okay. So they are unashamedly and unabashedly a Christian organization. They proclaim faith. They proclaim faith in Jesus Christ. And... I want you to listen. We're going to do like a WCF version of Carousel of the Nations. But we need you to help. So if you cook food from your nation's background, we would love for you to sign up so we can arrange for you to cook it under the supervision of the people with the food handling certificate so we can serve it. And then everyone else, if you don't cook food or you're not interested in cooking, what our hope is is that you can come that day and bring some money to be a blessing to Matthew House and buy some tickets. You can go to the booths and exchange the tickets for samples of food from different cultures. And we can do our own carousel of the nations in the fellowship hall in the afternoon. And you can invite your friends and family and we'll have some fun. How many say that sounds like fun? I think it's a great way for us to celebrate the many cultures that are here. I was talking to a couple people, I'm going to make this and I'm going to make this. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good. I think I'm going to go visit that booth. <laughs> but, but we need you. We need your participation. We need you to sign up. And uh, someone will call you eventually and we will talk about specifically the details of that and we'll schedule you to come in the kitchen. And anyway, and then that day, if you've cooked it, be prepared to serve it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's going, to be, it's going to be fun. But do remember, it's not the church picnic where you come and you eat for free and if you have money, you can donate. It's actually a fundraiser for Matthew House. So we want you to bring all your money and you want to, 
and you want to be a blessing to the community. Is that, is that, does everyone understand how that's going to work that day? Okay. It's going to be a fun day. Uh, we're going to do this. Okay. Moving on from there. Over the next couple months, our series is called The Goodness of God, and there is many aspects of His goodness that we can discuss with you. Today, I want to try to introduce to you the concept of God is good. His nature is good. The nature of God is good. And, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of young, but I've been around a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm halfway to 100. So what happens is um, I've discovered there's two main attacks that I see on the goodness of God in the culture. And the first attack that I see comes in where people lack an understanding of who God is or who he says he is. His essence, his character, his attributes, they're all part of his nature. And it's, it's easy for people to misconstrue who God is, especially when we as humans, we judge God based on our experience. We judge his goodness based on our experience. And, and what happens is your experience whether good or bad, does not change the fact that God by nature is good. Okay, so that's the first one, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. And the second challenge that I see to the goodness of God that people get stuck on is around the problem of evil, which I could talk about for probably six weeks all by itself, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to simplify it greatly. And that's when you start asking questions about why does evil exist if God is good? If God loves me, why does he allow evil things to happen in this world? Has anyone ever asked those questions? Now, for me, at this point in my life, it's a very basic conversation about the free will of man, which means you were given a choice to accept God's law and follow it and be a blessing to others as his word commands us, or to reject his word and his law and disobey it, and then we cause pain and suffering in the lives of others. How many of you like hearing that? Has anyone done something to hurt you, offend you, mistreat you? No one's ever had anything happen to them? Oh, 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 yeah, see, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're keeping track. Now we've got to talk about the cross and forgiveness after. <laughs> but, but, but what happens is this, okay? We cause pain and suffering by disobeying God, our sin. And when others sin, they cause pain and suffering in our life. But God gave us freedom of choice or free will. And, and the truth is, theologians and philosophers have been debating the sovereignty of God and the free will of man since long before I was alive. And they will debate the free will of man and the sovereignty of God long after I'm gone. It goes around in circles and there's camps and there's opinions and there's points of view. But the truth is, Humans not following God's best plan for their life create pain and suffering in the lives of others, okay? So that whole problem of evil and why does God allow it? Because God doesn't want robots. You could talk about it forever. I don't want to get into that as much today. I want to focus on the other, the other one a little bit. So when we're talking about the nature of God is good, most of the time when you were to go into a philosophy class at university level, your professor will start with a question, something like the one I'm about to ask you. And this particular one comes from a conversation that Plato published 
from his mentor or teacher, Socrates, who didn't write a lot of stuff down. And Socrates was having a conversation with a guy named Euthypro. Now, Socrates, in that discourse, asked the question, and I'm going to read it as he wrote it, and then I'm going to try to break it down to today's English. Whether the gods love the pious because it's pious, or whether the pious is pious only because it's loved by the gods. Let's break that down into simple language for today. Let me ask you, what do you think? I'm going to ask this half. What do you guys think? Does God create morality? Yes, no? I'm going to ask this half. Is God subject to morality? Here's the dilemma in those two questions. If God creates right and wrong, we are subject to the whims of our creator. And you get atheists that are published like Richard Dawkins, who portrays our savior, our God, as a jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, emphasidal, genocidal, philicidal, pestilential, megalomaniac, sadomachistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Goodness. How many know Richard Dawkins has a lot of words to describe our creator? I, I find that when people are losing an argument, they start calling people names. <laughs> okay. But what happens is if God creates right and wrong, if he creates it, we're subject to his whims. And depending on your perspective of who God is, you could be like Richard Dawkins or you could understand that God is good. But there's another hook to this, and this is what I want to get to. And this is, so if God is subject to morality, that means that there's a power higher than him. And this dilemma is referred to as the Euthypro dilemma. And philosophers disconnect Christian kids all the time when they present what I'm going to suggest to you is a false dichotomy. In simpler terms, two options that are seemingly contradictory when in fact there are other viable options. And I want everyone to say other viable options. Okay. Now I'm going to leave this conversation about Euthypro for a second. I'm going to bring it into something a little bit more practical. If I was to say to you here today, which is the greatest hockey team? The Toronto Maple Leafs or the Detroit Red Wings? Okay, but which is the greatest? Is it Toronto or is it Detroit? Okay, um, immediately, okay, watch. Immediately, some of you went to another viable option, did you not? Yeah. I heard Montreal, Boston, Tampa, whoever you cheer for, I don't care. Do you see how quickly my statement falls apart? If it's this or this, but there's other viable options, it takes away the argument that I have that it has to be Detroit or it has to be Toronto. Did you follow my logic on that? That is exactly what the philosophers are doing by presenting God as either subject to morality or God creates morality based on his whims. When they frame it that way, they're only posing one option or the other, but they forget that there's other viable options that could be on the table, but they don't give you that choice. And as soon as you suggest to them that there's a third option, they change the subject and go on to something else. Try it. I want to point out in the Epicurean paradox that I just talked to you about, or sorry, Eurythropo 
dilemma, sorry, that's something else, the Epicurean paradox, that's another one with the problem of evil. God, and I'm going to suggest this to you, he's, as a moral being, an attribute or the nature of his character is good. And if God is good, he, the, therefore he doesn't create good and evil, and he's not subject to it, it's a part of who he is. And the second he ceases to be good, he stops being God. So there's a third option that as a moral agent, he is good and it's a part of who he is and he has to be good. So everything that he does has to be good. So now I've introduced a third viable option that gets you around the hook number one or the hook number two. He doesn't create right and wrong, neither is he subject to it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an attribute of who he is. And as an outpouring of who he is, he just has to be himself. He's just right. He's just good. It's who God is. So when we're talking about his nature, we have to have an understanding that God is good. Now, when I say to you, one of the primary attributes of his character is good, let's look at what the scriptures have to say about this. Let's read a few of them. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. If he's close to those who trust in him, what happens to those that don't trust in him? Psalms 107, you know, David wrote a lot of the Psalms. And how many of you know that David's emotional mental state looked something like this? David was high, David was low. David was high, David was low. David was high. Anyone, anyone in here live like that sometimes or feel that way? David came to the conclusion, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his faithful love endures forever. So David came to the place in his life, whether he was high or whether he was low or whether he was over there or over there, God's love endures forever and he is good. You can read it again and again in Psalms, Psalms 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is merciful and compassionate slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He shows, showers compassion on all his creation. And sometimes Christ followers get upset with God because he shows compassion and mercy to people that aren't following his commands and teachings. None of you have ever been angry with someone who did something and didn't get the justice you thought they deserved though, right? 1 John 1.5 this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. 1 John 4, 7 to 18. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God demonstrated his love for you when he sent Jesus to die for you on your behalf because of your sin. He doesn't have to do anything else to demonstrate that he loves you more than anyone else ever will. He doesn't have to do anything else. He went to the cross for you. He died for you. He took your sin debt that you could never pay. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Sounds good, but practically, how many of you know it's hard to love each other sometimes? Oh, come on. None of you are struggling in your love walk ever? You just love everybody all the time and everything's always good? 
I can't even drive down the street half the time without having my love walk challenged. <laughs> Let alone you live in relationship with people, my goodness. <laughs> no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testified that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid of the day of judgment." but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. You know, when I hear someone like Queen Elizabeth stating, I base my life on the teachings of Jesus Christ, isn't that what all Christ followers are supposed to do? If we could just base our life and live accordingly how God has told us to live in his word, it's going to be a joyful reunion when we go meet him and he will say, well done. But so many people name the name of Christ, but then they have no interest in taking on his nature and his character. That's not love, that's selfishness and fear. Oh, it says that. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows we've not fully experienced this perfect love. And the truth is, many people sitting in this room have not fully experienced this perfect love. He's made it available to us. And then James chapter 1, 16 and 17. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Good things come from God. All good things. Why? It's part of who he is. He looks at you and he can only do good. He does good things. He loves humans, he loves you, and he loves you so much, he does good for you. Now, Luke 18, 19, Amplified, Jesus was asked, good teacher, this rich guy came up, rich ruler came to ask him a question, good teacher. So Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is essentially and morally good except God alone. Now, at first reading, why would Jesus ask anyone, why are you calling me good? I mean, think about the guy's life. He went around healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. He preached the good news of the kingdom. Jesus was a good man when he was here on earth. He did good things. He reflected the Father's love. He reflected the Father's mercy. He had compassion. He loved justice. He loved what was right. He was perfect in his love for humanity. And he looks at this guy and says, why do you call me good? You ever wonder why? It's in there again. It's not just in Luke. It's, it's in Mark. It's, I think it's in Matthew too, a version of it. Think about this. Trying to appease his own conscience, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, and lumps him in with all the other rabbis of the day, not recognizing the fact that the Son of God was living and walking and moving among him. Deity on earth, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Savior of the people was there, and he was approaching him as a mere mortal. Catching this? And Jesus is kind of highlighting to him, hey, why are you calling me good? Only God is good. So if you're going to say good teacher, then you need to realize something. It's the goodness of God. 
that makes me good. Only God has the capacity to be good. And then the man, because he only looked at him as a human, he didn't look at him as a deity, he walked away disappointed because when Jesus said, hey, great, you've obeyed the commandments, but you're rich, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And he couldn't do it. I don't know about you, but if I, you know, climb the mountain and I get to the top and deity is sitting in the chair and I say, teach me about life, and I flip my head open and I let deity speak to me, how many know you'd be wise to listen to what the person, what God has to say? No, yes. If you're going to climb the mountain to seek truth, the answer to life, and then he gives it to you, then you go, yeah, no, I don't think so. Think about it. That's what this guy just did, the ritual. He, he comes to Jesus, hey, tell me how to gain eternal life. Yeah, well, do this. Well, I don't want to do that. Then you don't get eternal life. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, that's not, is that complicated? Does that? <laughs> Jesus tells us how he wants us to live. And you know, I, I'm human. And I've had people say, oh, you're such a good man. No, I'm not a good man. I'm a fallen, sinful human that has a selfish heart outside of the fact that I surrendered my life to Christ and I'm renewing my mind to his truth every day. And as God is working in me and through me and transforming my mind to the image of likeness of him, and as I take on his nature and I take on his character, I can start reflecting his glory and his goodness to those I interact with. But I understand something, that Christ sustains me. And the moment that his spirit or his presence departs from my life, I am an empty shell of a human who will never accomplish anything good because I can't do it apart from him, because every good thing that happens comes from God. But I realize this, and I try to walk in that. And as I get further along in my journey, my hope is I'm taking on more of his nature and more of his character and dying to myself more. You know, just when you think that you've died to yourself, you realize that you can die some more. I mean, you remember the old Kuroke? 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 There's a few more croaks in there. Sometimes you just want to lay still and pretend, but you know what? If God's working in your life, he's transforming you into his image and his likeness. And see, God is good, and he knows that as we die to self, his goodness will come forth inside of our life more and more and more. But so many times we believe lies, and we don't recognize the goodness of God at work inside of our lives. And we fall short, and we sell out, and we don't surrender to God because we don't trust him. Stand up with me for a moment. We're going to go into communion in a second, but I just, there's many things happening in your minds right now. Some of you have judged God based on your experience in life. And when your experiences didn't measure up to what you thought they should, you've judged God for that. And in your heart, you've said, God, how can you be good if... And some of you have been tricked by the philosophies of this world system and the humanism that you've heard and the things that have been programmed through the airways and through the books and through the radio and through the songs. And it's told you that God is not good. How many of us have made God in our image instead of realizing that we are made in his? The verse that they read for us at the beginning, Psalms 34, 8. 
taste and see that the Lord is good. The joys of those who take refuge in him. You know, as we get ready to go to the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper, I'd like to open our altar, but you need to understand what happens at the altar. See, there's something going on in your heart. There's something going on in your mind and you realize that something in you has to die. A wrong concept of God, a wrong belief system, not fully understanding that he really is good and not believing it, lack of faith, disappointment. There's so many things that drive. But if you come to the altar, at that place, at the altar between you and God, you let the belief system that is wrong die. And you exchange it for the truth. And there's many of you that need to lay down a wrong belief, a wrong concept, a wrong idea about God today. And I want to invite you up to do so. You have to set aside your pride. You have to set aside your self-will and just come down and let a great exchange take place and take, take the lies and exchange them for truth. Take the lack of hope and exchange it for hope. Take the sickness and exchange it for healing. Take the anxiety and exchange it for peace. Take the anger and lay it down at his feet and receive love. Replace fear with love. Come down, all of you, come down now. Who needs to be down here? I know I can, I can probably start picking people out. There's many in the room today. Jesus, as we have the bread in our hand, I know that you are good and good comes from you. In my own life, I've had so many experiences that were not good, but I, I realize now that those were not from you. Humans doing horrible things to other humans. Words, actions, attitudes. We've all experienced those. We've even caused pain in others. And Lord, today we repent for not honoring you with our lifestyle, for not walking in love all the time. Even the little love failures that we have, God, we confess them to you and we lay them down at your feet. Help us to absorb your nature. You've placed your spirit within us and I know you've given us the ability to live good and to reflect you to the nations. So Father, we set aside ourselves. And we die again today at the cross. And we ask that you resurrect us to new life with you, that we could see the loss through your eyes with eyes of compassion and mercy and love, that we could see the hurting and the broken with compassion. And let us extend grace to one another and others like you extended grace and mercy to us. And as we receive your body today, Father, we receive healing in our minds and healing in our bodies and healing in our hearts because only you are the healer because you're good. In Jesus' name. And Father, as we have the cup, 
we cast off rage, bitterness, unforgiveness, doubt. And we exchange that for love and peace and hope in you. Father, I declare freedom. And I thank you that the blood of Jesus is applied to our lives and our hearts. And we declare the goodness of God in our lives. We declare that we, your people, can walk in love for one another in this community that we're here to serve. Help us to put aside our hang-ups, to put aside our hurts, and to take up our cross. And as once again we lay ourselves at your feet, Father, there's an exchange that takes place and the life of God flows forth and the power of God is released and lives are transformed as we lift up the banner of Jesus Christ together in Jesus' name. Paul and Michelle, Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor RJ, for always reminding us that we serve a good God, that He is good. We recognized His goodness um, on the onset of COVID, our little family of four, um, when we were told that we had to remain at home. We decided we were going to start praying, praying for our community, praying for everything that was transpiring in the world. So after supper, we would just gather in the living room. And we just started just basically praying for people, people we didn't know, um, even our essential workers, everyone that was involved. And it just organically grew from a couple days of doing that, and then we incorporated the Word, and then eventually we just put on YouTube and started listening to Christ-centered music, music we had never even knew existed. And um, one afternoon, Isaac, our oldest, he says, Mom, I have just discovered the most amazing song. It's called The Goodness of God. So when we played it there was not a dry eye like the four of us were a disaster we were crying and it was just almost like it was just such a beautiful song and we've played it repeatedly since then but we felt his goodness we felt his peace and his love and he says where two or more are gathered he says i am with you his goodness is with us psalm 31 um, says how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on all, on all of those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. We're going to have the guys in the back. Don't know if I talked to them, but I talked to the other guys. I think it's queued up to just play the goodness of God on your way out. Don't be afraid to crank it so they can hear it. But just listen to it as you leave. You don't have to sit in your sit seats and listen. Just, just listen to it. Or listen to it at home. Yeah. It's called The Goodness of God. You can play it on YouTube. But Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. So go and be the church. Amen.